Today's episode is piggybacking off of Monday's episode, which was part one of an interview I did with Ayla Barmer. Ayla Barmer is a registered dietitian nutritionist, and she helps us address the question, should moms be taking a supplement? And really, this isn't just an episode that's honed in specifically and only to moms, but instead to help us get a little bit better of a picture on how to approach the supplement industry as moms, whether we're looking to include supplements for ourselves, for our children, for our spouses. There's so many different applications, especially as we look at women's health, fertility, and the life stage that so many of us are in. Ayla offers a lot of really helpful insight, so I want to encourage you to go back and listen to episode 162. That's part one of this interview, and today we're going to go ahead and dive into part two with Ayla. Hey mama, I'm Ashley, and welcome to the Veggies and Virtue podcast. In this podcast, you will find simple menu ideas, kitchen organizational systems spelled out for mom life, and feeding tips and tricks that are both evidence-based and grace-laced. I believe that you can find flexibility when it comes to feeding your family so that you can feel calm, capable, and connected in the kitchen. As a registered dietitian and Christian mom of three myself, I want you to break free from the mealtime battles and to feel equipped while feeding your kids all day long. Pull up a stool at my kitchen counter and let me pour you a cup of coffee and say a quick prayer for you. It's time to chat about the mealtimes, messes, moments, and ministry of motherhood. Ayla Barmer is a registered dietitian nutritionist, and for almost 20 years, she has advanced the health and empowerment of thousands of clients, patients, peers, and mentees by fusing her expertise in nutritional science, functional medicine, and evidence-based holistic solutions. While currently on sabbatical from private practice work, Ayla owns and serves as the practice director of Boston Functional Nutrition, an integrative functional nutrition practice specializing in women's health and fertility. Ayla is also the co-founder of the Women's Health Nutrition Academy, which she'll speak to briefly on this episode, where they lead the way in providing continuing education to healthcare practitioners. Most notably, and one of the reasons why I asked Ayla to come on the show today is because Ayla is the founder and the CEO of Full Well, a fertility wellness brand widely endorsed by top practitioners for its high-quality evidence-based supplements and educational efforts. Ayla is on a mission to make the most current science accessible to the public. And so after today's episode, I know you may want to follow up with Ayla, and you can always find her sharing her knowledge through the Knowledge Well, which is Full Well's informational hub that supports families with expert information and the power of choice. So without further ado, let's get into today's interview. Ayla, we had a great interview, part of which was shared on Monday as we kind of dove into this conversation about if moms should take a supplement and what they should be looking for in the supplements that they're either taking or that they're looking to offer up to their family. So I'd love for us to pick up where we left off on Monday and to keep the conversation going. If parents can kind of take a step back and track with me here of thinking of the supplements that are available so easily over the counter, kind of the 365 a day Apple equivalent, but in the supplement world, we look at it sometimes, I mean, it's not always a bad option, but you may not be maximizing the effort Mm -hmm. that you're already Mm -hmm. taking. You may not be really getting the most out of the investment you're already making in something like an additional supplement. So can you kind of walk families through a little bit more on how they can even begin cross-checking the quality and the supplements. I know we talked about the food space and 
some of it is just the misconceptions we have that frozen is lesser than fresh and, you know, bunking some of that, but how would you guide a family who's saying, okay, maybe I haven't been on top of my supplementation game. And this isn't a episode intended to inflict guilt. If they've missed that window before neural tube development Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. before their child turned an age or before this, that, or the other, but what would you kind of guide them in terms of similarly thinking about the supplement industry and how do we look at the quality of similar to buying seasonal or when things are picked and packed at at their peak or some of those considerations, how would you Mm -hmm, say that mm -hmm. parallels to the supplement industry in a way that the consumer could use? Yes. So, I mean, first the preface this, I would say when it comes to supplementation, I think there's the, there's, there's a couple of schools of thought. I think there are folks that are just like, it's all, it's all a hoax. It's all, there's nothing safe. I can't trust any of it. Nothing's regulated. I hear that a lot. And I'd love to address that. Then there's, I think the folks that are maybe they're open to it. Right. But it's kind of this feeling like there's really not a lot of difference. I'm going to go with what's most convenient and less expensive and it's going to give me something, right? Um, and I think at best, it's going to offer a, a, a one-a-day supplement that's not thoughtfully, thoughtfully formulated uh, by a health practitioner that's not really quality controlled. At best, it's going to give you maybe like a little bit of a nutrient boost, depending on what's in it, right? Maybe some benefit. At worst, though, it really can be harmful. And and this does kind of cross over to this concept of the supplement industry not being regulated. So the reality is it is regulated in that there's quite a few governing bodies, the FDA, the FDC, that does provide regulations and does regular audits of the supplement industry. However, the industry is so enormous, it requires a lot of self-policing. And some companies are just playing kind of the volume game, if it, honestly, where they are taking the risk of getting fines and warning letters and actions by the FDA or the, the FTC because they're making up for it in volume of sales. So there's a lot of bad players, but there are good players who, and I full, full well's in, the, in on that list, who are following all the regulations that are set and going above and beyond those where, where that really makes sense and I think is necessary and should be there. And some of those, the, some of those places where I think that's important are one, and actually let's just start with uh, formulation. So it's there are different forms of nutrients uh, that can be put into a supplement. There are different forms of nutrients that we find just regularly, naturally in the food supply. And it's really important that I don't expect everybody that's taking a full well product is going to be a nutrition expert and is going to going to try to learn the intricacies of the different forms of the nutrients. I don't think that that needs to be the case. <laughs> Unless you really enjoy it, don't add that to your plate. But I think it's important to make sure that who's behind your formulations is a subject matter expert that is evaluating the research and the evidence and justifying it, explaining, offering references, justifying why forms are uh, important and why forms were used in the product and not just dismissing that that any magnesium, so to speak, will do. And here's an example of where that can be sort of a helpful versus harmful scenario is I see the form of magnesium that's most often used in supplements is magnesium oxide. Some people listening might go take a look at their labels and they're bound to find that because it's the least expensive form of magnesium to use. It tends to be uh, a small, it usually is smaller and easier to fit into capsules. It's very poorly absorbed and it can actually have a laxative effect. So it um, can, can, you essentially are, 
it's very, it's because of the laxative effect, it's very poorly absorbed and you're really essentially losing that to the toilet. And that's always a, a, a fear, I think, of people too when they take things. So magne- so the form of the nutrient does matter in terms of how well your body is going to be able to absorb it and use it. So that piece is really important. Then the other side of this that I think consumers and your listeners should really be aware of is the testing that's done to verify that the supplement has what it says in it. So you look at a label and I think there's a certain level of trust that what you're taking matches what's on that label. And that's that should that is where I would really caution folks because that trust is is misplaced. I will say that it's very common, unfortunately, for supplements not to match their label claims because it's not required and it's it's not actually a common practice. I would I would say more often than not, it's not done where you have a independent third-party lab testing to make sure that the identity is is what we want. So especially when it comes to herbs, but nutrients as well. So what was put in that product is truly what we want it to be, right? Like, so if it's ashwagandha, which we put in our fertility booster product, how do we know that it really is ashwagandha and it wasn't adulterated, that it's not cut with something else, right? That it is truly the species of the the type of ashwagandha that we want in the product. There's there's a lot of considerations that happens a lot in the herbal world, botanicals, unfortunately. So that needs to be verified. And then how much is winding up per serving? Uh, So the potency, so are you really getting 200 milligrams of um, you know, ashwagandha? Are you getting the 300 milligrams of choline? How do we know that from dose to dose, you're getting those things in? And, and this is especially important, per- perhaps when it comes to something like a prenatal multivitamin, where you're really counting on getting consistent amounts, evidence-based amounts of, of certain nutrients at different stages of your pregnancy. And I personally have a lot of concerns with multivitamins that are in a powdered format because the weights and sizes of these nutrients are all very different. And so you may not be getting, and I did a lot of R&D trying to figure out if there was like a powdered format that we could offer full well in. And I was just not happy with the testing results around what per scoop or per pack, like what that was delivering. It was too, the variability was too great. And For me, the risk is that you might not get folate during a key part of your pregnancy where you're really needing it or enough vitamin D where you need it. And and that's because, again, the sizes of these nutrients are so different. So so yeah, that's a lot of considerations. But I'd say in terms of a checklist for the end consumer to look at, you want to make sure that the any supplement company that you're working with is is using a third party reputable lab. Eurofins is a great example of a reputable lab that's widely used. If someone truly is doing third party testing, that's going to be the most common lab they're going to use that they are testing for contaminants at a minimum right? And that's heavy metals. We go above and beyond and we typically test for glyphosate and phthalates and BPA. And in our fish oils, we test for PCBs and dioxins. So I I really want to know everything that's in my products before I put them out there. But you want to make sure at a minimum they're testing for heavy metals and 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 ideally they're sharing those results. Now that's where I think a lot of consumers will run into some challenges because there's mo- many companies most I would say are deeming those kinds of that kind of data to be proprietary to be and I and I understand it but to to me when it's something that you're going to put in your body especially during critical stages of life but really at any time like I, we we need to show we need to prove as as companies here and formulators that what what we're offering is safe. <laughs> so Third-party testing, 
Ideally, there's transparency around those third-party test results. That can look like just test results, or it can be called what's called a certificate of analysis. So if you're going to request that from a company, it might be called their COA or some form of, of test results. That's key. And, and also to ask a company, how do they verify? How, what is their process? What does their process look like to verify that what they say on the label is what is in their, their, in their product? Do they do potency testing? So these are, these are the questions I would, I would ask and not just look at a label. I mean, it starts there with a proper formulation, making sure there's a subject matter expert behind the formulation. There's evidence to support it, that it's skillfully created, right? But but then second, that it's tested ideally by a third party, not just internally where there's self-interest, but a third party and they make those results available. Yeah, such such a great review of the different layers of where you can begin to scratch the surface and where you can really dive in. And, and obviously with Full Well, but even before Full Well was around, I know that for myself and I'm sure you with when you were more active in your private practice doing you kind of learn the brands that you have mm-hmm, vetted mm-hmm. already for this and so ov- often as a practitioner it's helpful because we can kind of recommend and we can share those brands as these are often the ones that we know have already gone through this level of rigor and have this quality of a supplementation so we're not going to be recommending the one that a mom can just go grab off the shelf at Target just randomly we want to help them think through the different layers of this so that if they're adopting a new behavior if they're not already taking supplementation, mm-hmm. but even if they are making sure that they are getting the most bang for their buck. And I mean, I'm like nodding my head and loving every bit of what you're saying, but I know for a lot of moms, some of this stuff can just kind of fly over their head. And it's like, I'm already sleep deprived and was up three times last night yeah, and my brain yeah. just can't wrap around it. But again, I just keep thinking through so many of the parallels of what concerns, challenges, fears, wonders I hear for parents and how it is similar to here. Because I think of so often we can look at the food supply. And again, we are speaking specific to supplements, but we look at the food supply and parents would say, well, why would they use this kind of oil, mm-hmm. high fructose corn syrup, this kind of this, or the vitamins that have been added or all these different things that parents can begin to kind of see. And it's like the formulation of food is very similar that if yeah. food manufacturers can do it cheap, they will, especially if people yeah. continue to buy it that way. So it does take an additional amount of effort to really identify what are the brands and the products that align with the quality of food that I, my family wants, because if we're going to be eating it anyways, we want to make sure we're getting the most out of it from a nutritional perspective. But I think often parents can think, oh, well, I can look at a nutrition facts label and I can, but to help a family take it that next level of looking at the ingredient list, asking why are those ingredients, the ingredients Mm -hmm. that the food uses, because if they could look at the, the, the label and the supplements and begin to see, okay, well, it only has a small amount of choline and it's saying it's 4% of my daily needs. Well, why? And, or for the magnesium, mm-hmm. like you were saying like that, if it can begin to look at the ingredient list and say, okay, yes, it has magnesium, but it, magnesium oxide, is that giving me the intended benefit that I'm looking at it for? Because so often I think we just take things at face value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then with that, that's why we have so much fear mongering within the space of food and nutrition, because there is so much misinformation. And now you look at things like social media and you and I know this very well, but anyone can be a nutrition expert Mm -hmm. with very little understanding of nutritional science, Mm -hmm. human physiology, any of that. So any supplement that gets the time of day in a public eye could take off, even if it hasn't, the formulation hasn't been evaluated. It hasn't been third-party tested. And I was even thinking, as you were mentioning contaminants, 
we know that the concern for contaminants in baby food was huge and the concern mm-hmm. of heavy metals. And, and because the news was so vocal and loud and about it, it did elicit a little bit of fear for families where it's like, well, now what do I even feed my baby? Because they're mm-hmm. so worried of contaminants. But again, I think if parents can kind of translate what they already know about how they're feeding their family yeah. and take it through that kind of process of thinking through, okay, not just the label, but the ingredient list. What's the formulation that's being used and why the testing? So often we, the dirty dozen comes up and there's lots of opinions on that, which is not the context of this episode, but people want to know, am I getting what I'm getting and looking at which ones, what can my level of trust be in some of these foods mm-hmm. and or supplements that I feel like I want to trust are doing me well, but I don't know unless someone else validates that they are or aren't. And then the person who is validating, as you said, having someone third party without yeah. a vested interest, being able to kind of justify this for families. So I think a lot of the skill sets that families need, what I'm hearing you say is a lot of the skill sets that families need to kind of decipher what yeah. would be a quality supplement is a lot of the habits they're already kind of learning just in feeding their own family. It's just translated to a separate niche being, you know, the supplement industry. And yeah, I would, I would agree with you. I just wanted to weigh in that. I think I wish it wasn't so difficult and that there was more stringent rules and certifications and things that you could really count on and that I could point folks towards. It does take, it's similar to the food industry where it's a little bit weeding through, weeding through the information, right. And trying to discern, like going through your process there and and trying to use some, some, a little bit of your own intuition too. I think what I said, I think around, I mean, you can tell a lot from a supplement company, right. Based on if you go to their website and you can kind of see if it's a lot of marketing language and there isn't a lot of substance behind it, right. Like they're not actually sharing real information about the ingredients. I'm going to give an example. This is a really popular brand that is a marketing company first. I won't mention the name of it, but I, it's really, they've raised, I think, uh, $40 million in their last round of funding on continually that kind of level where it's more about kind of smoke and mirrors, right? Like, so where you can see it's like, trying to convince kind of consumers that it's more important to know where the specific ingredients of the supplement came from than the form of the nutrient, why it's in there, the amount, and ultimately testing for uh, potency and for contaminants. Right. So I, it's there, it's very tricky. Like there's some very smart marketing professionals in this industry. And I think it's just important to be discerning. And, and I'm really proud of one of the reasons. I I mean, you and I both know that nothing beats one on one individualized recommended recommendations. And I know a lot of your listeners probably listen to your podcast all the time and learn a lot, but maybe don't want to be the experts that we are. Like they've got other jobs and lives. And and, and we, so I launched last, it was a year in the making, but last month we launched a practitioner directory on Fullwell where you can go on and search for via a ton of different selection parameters. You can decide who you might want to work with if they take insurance or not. There's probably a practitioner that is going to be able to help guide you to, if you need somewhere to get started, you really want something personalized for you. No one in that directory is incentivized or told that they need to recommend full well, so they will be objective in what you and your family need. And so that might be a good resource for your listeners as well. Yeah. And I'll definitely include that link um, as well. And yeah, I think you mentioning how families knowing kind of where to start and how overwhelming it can be. I was thinking about the 
nature of what you were saying before with like the self-policing, because obviously as dietitians, I think we often get the bad rap that we're food cops, but also I think we often with client clients have the initial role of self-policing their supplement collection because we just mm-hmm. see a wide range of supplements. And I love how before you mentioned looking to see if the brand that you're using offers a COA or they give you that certificate of analysis because that's just such a high level of transparency that kind of jumps ahead a little bit. So you don't even have to kind of mentally go through the gymnastics of thinking Mm -hmm. through all the different dynamics. But it also makes me think of a story I recently had with a client where uh, her child has been struggling with chronic constipation. And so we've been trying to figure out a different approach between food first, but also supplementation to try and help get her daughter the support she needs. And in her frustration and in her understandable struggle with trying to help her daughter, she just kind of went and got a supplement. And especially Mm -hmm. with kids, you can't just, they're not necessarily going to be able to swallow or chew, let alone tolerate and willingly adhere to any sort of supplementation plan. And this one that her daughter was willing to take and that the mom had just tried, it was just garbage. I mean, there was, and I don't say that as if like, oh, food is toxic, just throwing out buzzwords, but to see how it had none of these steps of being validated as a supplement where it was readily available. It was easy, but so often we don't kind of jump into those two, first two steps. And I was thinking, as you were saying, even looking at the UPC, cause that was the first thing for the mom. I said, can you go grab, when we were on a call, I said, can you go grab that bottle? Because I want to, I'm like, I'm glad, I'm glad she's willing to take it, but it's just a sugar-coated gummy. It's not, yeah. there's yeah. nothing validated in it. The formulation of it is very much, what we're seeing is very much in front of the curtain Um, And so helping families see that your good intentions, make sure that they're validated so that whatever money you're putting into a supplement, whether it's a $10 one or a hundred dollar supplement that you're getting what you think you're getting out of it. And so that um, one of the things I was thinking as you were talking is so often this case of the mom, we're obviously looking for constipation relief with her daughter. And there's obviously many, many variables being considered there. But I think to the aspect of how our trust often does get misplaced. And yet these seasons, as you mentioned, during pregnancy, obviously we're waiting the nine months until a child is born to see, hopefully, I mean, the obvious is something visual, like a neural tube defect you can maybe see, but a lot of these things we maybe don't know, did the mm-hmm. choline help get optimized the neurological development to the best of its ability? It's mm-hmm. not apparent to the naked eye. And so I think of some of these seasons where we don't know, we don't know, is it doing what we hope it's doing? And even the mom who submitted this listener question, she was asking more specifically for hair and anyone who's had postpartum hair loss very quickly begins thinking of how do I get that full pregnancy hair back? Or maybe it's my nails and my cuticles or my skin or some of these things that we hope to see a visible uh, sign that something is working from. But how would you kind of speak to the person who maybe is a little skeptical? Maybe it's because they have been burned by buying lots of supplements that Mm -hmm. are over the counter and they didn't know what they didn't know. And so maybe it did kind of fall through the cracks of the supplement industry, or it might just be someone who is consistent with taking any product and yet they don't necessarily see the physical proof that it's working. What would you kind of say to that person? Yeah, I think it's very easy to have that that mindset when it comes to supplements that is very similar to sort of the allopathic medical model that we're all really a part of in more conventional medicine, where we take a medication, we see an almost immediate result typically, right? Like it's a much more like 
here's the problem, treat it, we, we see the result. Whereas supplements, especially when it comes to nutrient supplements, uh, which is really what I focus on with, with full well, we're, we're, again, we're look, the way that we're going about evaluating the need for them and the benefit is we're looking at really good research for one great research. That's looking at large swaths of the population that they're well-designed clinical trials that are telling us Okay, this is these are nutrients that are lacking in the majority of or X percentage of the population, right? And these are nutrients that we also know have this effect over the longer term. So, yeah, I mean, choline and neurological health is another is a really good example to call out because there there have been studies that have followed women and their their babies, their children through from preconception through early childhood, actually up to age seven, I believe the one of the larger studies looked at. And that's the type of data that we have to look at is those larger groups of people and what's going on. So I think there's some we can rely we can rely a lot on some solid evidence and and the research and what we know and have learned over time about what humans physiologically physiologically need and just also i think keeping in mind that there's there's what we need at a bare minimum to survive and then there's what is optimal to really thrive and i think most moms would agree. It's like, we want optimal. Like I want to feel optimal <laughs> and to be the best mom I could be. And I want my kids to thrive. And, and so I just think we can do better. And especially in our modern, again, our modern environments where we're, we're facing soil depletion of nutrients. We um, have a lot more environmental stressors on our bodies. We have a lot more processed food that isn't all bad, right? It, it does create access to a lot of food we might not otherwise have, but that can result in in nutrient depletion as we talked about, right? So there's there's a lot of reasons why now, and we're not eating like we once were historically, right? I mean, just to give the the meat example again in organ meats, I mean, organ meats were are traditionally part of many diets around the world in a lot of ways. And that would have had a lot to do with the way that animals were hunted and using all parts of the animal. Whereas now we can go to the grocery store and get just a lean cut of meat, right? And so we're we're eating differently than we arguably have biologically been evolved to to really eat and and living in modern environments. And so I think based on all of these factors, we have really good solid information to work with on why why supplementation, why why supplements and not just any supplements, smart smartly formulated quality supplements that you can you can really trust. Yeah, and I think that that circles back so much to what we had talked about before and why the brand matters, because it's like, if they're looking more at the marketing angle or the branding of it, but not the research behind it, mm-hmm. what they're putting in there may just be for all intents and purposes, very haphazard. It's not necessarily strategic and linked to the latest research, but it's just kind of like, well, this will sell. Mm-hmm. If it'll move on the shelves, then this is good enough. And obviously wanting more for people when they look at if and what they should be taking and from what company is going to give them that benefit. So yeah, so I know we didn't touch as much on husbands here, but with the last couple of minutes that we have, do you have any kind of last uh, things to say, maybe even regards to husband, knowing that Mm -hmm. you do work in the fertility space specifically, and I work with families. So oftentimes I don't get the opportunity to talk directly with husbands so much, but I know so much of what my community takes in. Oftentimes we're the disseminators of the information. So we maybe are the gatherers of all the advice and best practices, and then maybe dialogue and converse with our partners about it. 
Do you have any advice that you think would be helpful for families listening, not just the the women listening, but also the men? Yes. So I, I think the best way to illustrate how important it is for men to be focusing on their health, both from a diet and lifestyle perspective, but also supplementation is is really the way in which men's preconception health affects the pregnancy and baby's long-term health as just one example. So even if you're not in that stage of life and maybe this has come and gone, right? I think it's it still really highlights that there's there's a lot that we still need to learn, a lot that we know that just isn't being, and I don't know why, I'm personally really passionate about educating on this, but I feel like it's not part of the mainstream conversation, is that men's preconception health, so what men do in the three, six plus months pre, pre-pregnancy affects the health of the pregnancy in a number of ways. So pregnancy complications that we we attribute to women's health, and we really put the burden on their shoulders, like pregnancy loss, preeclampsia, preterm birth, these things can be traced back to being equally impacted, and in some cases, actually more so impacted by men's health. And I think that's really wild to think about. I mean, During pregnancy, women grow an entirely new organ, the placenta, which nourishes, among many other things, it's just absolutely vital, right, for baby's health. And men's preconception health, there are via a few different mechanisms that get a little nerdy sciencey, but through a few different mechanisms, men's preconception health will affect the development and the health of the placenta even more so, at least according to some research, than women's health which just blows my mind. And I, so I like to share that because it's, we, we really almost treat, I think men in the fertility process as almost like sperm donors. Like they're it's, their role is in conception and getting the pregnancy, a positive pregnancy test and it stops there. And that's not true. Everything that they're doing, there's all these different signals within sperm and semen that really send signals to women's reproductive organs to to the development of baby to in a lot of different ways that are really fun to talk about, but probably a little beyond the scope of this conversation that really affects baby, not just so the health of mom and baby during pregnancy, and then ultimate babies, ultimately baby's long term health. So I think that alone, I think, I hope will give folks pause to just think, okay, men's health really does matter more than I think we give it credit for. And we need dads to be <laughs> at their best too, right? And and I, and men, are, women are generally the consumers of health information, products, the dietary supplement industry, the majority of Fullwell's audience is also women, but we really can't leave men out of the picture. We, we actually just launched a men's fish oil. We have a men's multi that's kind of our counterpart to our prenatal. And we're, we're going to kind of create a men's daily foundational essentials bundle within the coming weeks and and just hope that families will see that that those that healthy parents are going to help create healthy families overall. Yeah. Yes. I think that statement is such a sound one to end on for both of our communities, but because it I think prenatal and preconception and when looking at fertility is such an obvious window for parents to begin kind of thinking through, all right, what is our role in trying to set up a healthy foundation for this child? And and oftentimes it's unrightly put predominantly on the woman. But I think the more that families can begin to see the partnership in forming not just the, the, the child itself, but also in the healthy habits within the home, 
the more mm-hmm. that that will continue to benefit and bless them and the children. Cause this isn't one where you take your prenatals and then all nutritional efforts go out the window, nor is it one for husbands where it's like, Oh, well, the three to six months preconception are really important. After that, go back to lifestyle practices, but instead for the family to kind of see that's an intentional opportunity. And even if, and when a family, some of my listeners have much older kids now, so they may be like, wow, we really missed the window just to see that research is continuing to evolve and what we know is continuing to grow. So you, we all do the best we know how to do with the information we have at the time. And if a family has missed the window, just to see that we can continue to be aware of and in tune with some of the nutrient gaps that may be in Mm -hmm. existence within our diet, what we can do to approach that from a lifestyle perspective and a food first approach, but also where can we begin to be a little bit more intentional in making sure that we're supplementing for our family's needs so that it is healthy family, healthy child moving forward, whatever that initial impetus is, even if it's years or decades after conception. So Ayla, this is such a great conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to pour out. I know you're a wealth of information and I've always loved getting to follow along with you and um, just learn from you because you are so wise on all of this. Share a little bit more. I'll, of course, link in the show notes, a link to Full Well so they can look into the supplements that you offer a little bit more, as well as some of the different links of resources that we spoke to. But share with my audience a little bit more of where they can find you or where they can learn more about some of the products and services that you offer. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about all the things that I I love to the most. Yeah. Fullwellfertility.com. We've got a lot going on there. So obviously the products are there, but I, I, we pour myself and other dietitians on my team pour a lot of time and resources into building out our knowledge well, which is really a hub of all types of really great educational content to help you sort through a lot of what we talked about and dive into some of the nuance, but we try to keep it really practical. We know, again, not everybody wants a master's degree in nutrition, but but do want to make sure we're not gatekeeping information. So it's like you have what you need to make the best decision for you and your family. So I'm really proud of what we've done with the knowledge well, as well as the directory to help find you and connect you with practitioners of all kinds that you may benefit from getting that individualized support from. So I would, I would definitely check that out. We... I also am not as frequently active, but I am alabarmer underscore RD on Instagram and over there and on LinkedIn too. And then for if there are any health practitioners listening, I collaborate with Lily Nichols, RDN, who we mentioned, and uh, WHNA, it's Women's Health Nutrition Academy.com. And we do continuing education for health professionals through through there. So that's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all that you contribute to our field. And I appreciate you being one of those that was bold and brave enough to step behind the curtain and (laughs) look into the supplement industry in a lot of, in a way that a lot of us, myself very much included, would be intimidated to do so. But you provide a great service and products that help support a lot of people's health. So I appreciate the work you do and you taking the time to come share with us all today. Thank you so much for having me, Ashley. It has been a joy having you on the podcast today. And if you've enjoyed it as well, I have a quick favor to ask. Do you mind hopping over to Apple Podcasts and leaving me a written review? This will only take you a hot second, but it truly blesses me every time I get to read what one of you write over there. And it allows me to bless others through this podcast and the episodes to come. The other thing that you can do is to take a screenshot of this episode and tag me over on Instagram at veggies and virtue. I would love to see what action steps that you're taking from this episode and also to support your family in the journey moving forward. 
Until next time, thanks for coming over to chat at my kitchen counter. Remember that you will always have a seat and a snack waiting for you here.